Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 33 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Barney and Angelo. Now, Angela, I feel like we need to start the episode off by acknowledging something. I feel like we need to tell the viewers, or listeners rather, that we are both a little bit under the weather, right? Yeah, I'm catching something, I guess. It's that time of year. But um, it doesn't help to have uh, small children that sneeze in your mouth. That doesn't help at all. So, um, yeah. Are you referring to your children or other children in this, like in the, my, at work or at specifically home? Specifically one of my children. My eight-year-old daughter is a lot better about covering her mouth. My four-year-old son, sometimes he forgets. He's like, hey, daddy has a got chew right in the mouth. Have you gotten the flu shot this year? No, I haven't gotten a flu shot. I'm not really in a demographic that needs to get a flu shot. Uh, I have gotten it in the past. So here's the thing about the flu shot, right, is... It's kind of mind-blowing because when you consider when you're young, you think a, a shot is an inoculation against uh, a, raw, a like a broad spectrum of the disease, right? But the flu shot is just health officials' best guess as to which strain will be the most popular this year. That's exactly right. Uh, and from what I understand, this year it's, it's only been about 10% effective because they use Australia as a gauge from what I'm understanding because obviously Australia's flu season is at a different time than ours because their summer is our winter and vice versa. So it's it's a different gauge that they use for that. Australia is indeed a barometer for these uh, uh, flu shots uh, and vaccination um, uh, predictions. And yeah, this year, unfortunately, they guessed wrong here in North America. So a lot of people, despite getting the shot, may fall sick anyways. Yeah, hopefully uh, it's not too much of a disaster. But I've been relatively lucky with the flu. I've only had it a few times. Uh, Ironically, one of the times I had it was one of the years I got the flu shot. Uh, last flu shot I got was for the swine flu that was going around. Just to clarify, neither of us are against any sort of shots. We're totally for that. It's just I'm not necessarily in the demographic that really needs a flu shot right now. Let's get to a few follow-up items to begin the wait, episode. Wait, wait, so wait, Angela, wait, wait, you... wait, wait, wait. Oh. Before we go okay. on, we just want to clarify. Okay. We realize that the flu shot does not inoculate you from a cold. Correct. That's a conversation going on in other podcasts I listen to, apparently, where um, there was a mistake that happened that somebody misunderstood something. Uh, but yes, colds are colds, flus are flus. There are bad colds and bad flus. I think I have a cold right now. Life is death. Death is life. Nothing means anything anymore. So let's do some follow-ups. It'd be funny if next week we're like zombies and this was like the beginning of some sort of zombie plague. Like we're like patient zeros, yeah, almost our patient like low digits. <laughs> is that a claim to fame? Do you think like, hey, I'm zombie six, I've made it. No, I was in the top ten for zombies ever for the outbreak. No, no, it's just the zero, zero or nothing, pretty much, pretty much, yeah, just like binary. So yeah, <laughs> uh, you have finally found a YouTube channel uh, that's let's plays for your kids. Finally, I found a channel. I was I was kind of fed up. My kid really wanted to watch um, some more mario odyssey and i don't have the switch yet i haven't really um like i've mentioned before it's not in the plans this year to get a switch we found a channel called zebra gamer and it's super family friendly he's funny too he says stuff that the kids laugh at it's not corny or anything it's just there's no swearing no violence nothing he's just playing mario odyssey and making i don't know how old he is he could be like 20 years old he could be 45 but the comments he makes are comments i'd make as i'd be playing a game so nothing uh nothing too out of the ordinary but it's really well done the kids are really enjoying it they're at like episode 
three or four of his Mario Odyssey things. <laughs> Last I looked, I think he had like in the 40s or 50s of his Mario Odyssey <laughs> episodes. So um, that'll keep them occupied for a while. Well, at least you have that. You don't need to worry about swear words or objectionable content over and over, which is good news. And what's funny is, of all places I found it, Reddit. The cesspool of the... Well, one of the larger cesspools, not necessarily like the the most depraved cesspool. Um, ironically enough, yeah, giving you the ammunition you need to keep your kids busy while you're busy podcasting. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty great. And uh, they're watching it right now. Hey, kids, say hi. No, they're not watching it. The only kid clear awake. silence. The the only kid awake right now is the cat, and I don't know where she is. She she went to eat some food and then took off. So we'll see if she puts in an appearance later. Well, she may or may not. Uh, continuing on her trying to follow up items. Uh, we talked about audio files recently, and you came across a YouTube video of some research you did. So uh, basically, it's pitting an, a high end MP3 versus a lossless wave file. Because of the research I did on the audio file segment we were talking about last week. All these audio file videos are popping up in my YouTube channel. Not my channel, my YouTube. Uh, what what would you call like that? Recommended, like your recommended. Yeah, my recommended videos, exactly. And this one came up by uh, Rick Biato, I guess is how you pronounce his name. Okay. He seems he's a musician of some note, I think. Uh, and this video is called "Audio File or Audio Fooled: How Good Are Your Ears?" And what he shows is that he has an assistant who. Um, has perfect pitch. She has, she can hear sine waves above a certain amount where most people can't hear it. And he put her to the test to determine if a file was a wave file, a 320 kbyte MP3, or a 128. And what he found is that at a certain point between those two, not the 128 because she could figure that out pretty much all the time, but between the the 320 and the wave file. It's pretty much a guess because at that point, it's beyond human hearing. Even no matter how good your hearing is, you can't hear what happens. What's interesting actually is in the video, at one point she she mistook what she said was her favorite song or one of her favorites, and she picked the 128 um, MP3. So I guess that song wasn't mastered that great. I don't know. Essentially, what it, this video proves is that there's really no difference between a 320 uh kilobyte per second mp3 and a lossless wave file that the human ear can tell which i guess is good because i send you 320 kilobyte per second mp3s and nudes i think they sound fine i was trying to convince brian actually that we might need to use uh, aiff or wave files and he's like no you're dumb 320 totally fine and it would take me forever to download a huge wave file. Is that correct, Brian? Well, firstly, I didn't, and that's, I did not say you're dumb. I said the concept is dumb. For what we do, a uh, high-end MP3 is just fine for my needs. And uh, I learned that too because I, I recently edited an episode and I, yeah, perfect. The MP3 you sent me sounded totally fine. So from new uh, from old business to new business, moving on this week, Facebook announced Facebook Kids. How weird, crazy, and uh, stupid is that, Angelo? It's pretty dumb. It's been making the rounds that today. So we're we're uh, you're hearing this like a week after we record it, as usual. Facebook Kids not a great idea. I don't really trust Facebook with anything, 
And my favorite quote so far I've seen on this whole topic was John Gruber's take, where he wrote, this is like Philip Morris introducing officially licensed candy cigarettes. You're nuts if you sign up your kids for this. Absolutely. It's just early indoctrination, really, when you really think about what they're offering here. It's the thing with Facebook is that kids are not supposed to sign up until they're 13 at the minimum. That's the minimum age requirement for um, Facebook. And you're going to have to use an adult account to put your kids on this. So you're kind of like just dragging your kids into your own account for this. So what's the point? Well, one, and two, like, how do you verify that a kid's a kid, right? If you're already using an adult account, then in theory, it's easier for an adult to create a fake kid account. And that's going to be really creepy because already we know the horrible things that happen on YouTube kids. And that was a much, in my opinion, seemingly safer plan than this. Hey, what can go wrong? Let's put YouTube kids videos on a kid's app, make it much easier for the kids to watch YouTube videos because they love them and they'll be safe. But Facebook, how many users are on Facebook? Billions at this point? Billions. I'd hazard a guess that at least 10 or 15 of them are horrible people. Wait, 10 or 15 whole people? Yeah. At least. Okay, I'm willing to buy that statistic. At least? No? Yeah, I'm willing to buy yeah. that statistic. So look, if one of those 10 or 15 horrible people on Facebook gets in touch with your kids, not good things are going to happen. That's very true. I, look, I'm going to say something shocking now. Oh, okay. Let's get ready for this. I don't mind letting my kids use iMessage on, uh, okay. on their iPads if supervised because, shockingly, I trust Apple more than Facebook. I'm going to put that out there. Well, gosh darn. So let me ask you this question, right? You're, as you said at the beginning, you're, one of your kids is eight, the other is four. At what point do you start talking about social media with them? Like you wait till they're 13, I assume? Yeah, that, that conversation's a long ways off at this point. Um, right now, the only things they do really on the internet are watch YouTube videos, but only on the Apple TV when I'm around. I, might, I sound like a horrible like prison guard of a dad or something. Like a tyrant. But yeah, no, I, I let them use certain things. My daughter uses Apple Music. She listens to some pop songs and stuff. She's and I and one thing with my my daughter, I do trust her. She says she's not going to do something, and from what I can tell, she usually doesn't. Like for example, she has iMessage on there. I tell her she's not allowed to text her friends unless I'm I'm there or we're around. And her friends text message her all the time, and I'll look at her 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 iPhone where when I go put her her bedtime music on, and I'll see there's like nine unread text messages that she doesn't read because she knows she's not supposed to read them. So that's pretty good. She's she's earning my trust on that. Um, she has been watching some YouTube videos, not through the app, to uh, do this thing called Monster Loom. She kind of makes these like little bracelets out of elastics. Whatever, she likes it. And that's about it. She'll use a few apps for games, but they're for like math games for school. And my son, he watches Netflix on the iPad from time to time and plays some some of the games that we put on there. It's not like he's going to add some other games. It's an old iPad 2 with a lot of games on it that just are just for the kids. So I'm not too worried about that. So has your four-year-old finished the first season of Punisher yet? He's he's at the third episode. He's enjoying it. Okay. He likes seeing okay, Frank good. Castle kill the bad people that killed his, <laughs> his family. I'm glad to hear that your kid's having so much fun on Netflix. Double 
speaking of priorities, uh, you wrote down in the show notes, Brian's Instagram is great. Go add him. I'm kind of curious as to why you think people should be following me on Instagram. This weekend, you had a, this week, actually, you had a few good Instagram stories that I don't normally laugh out loud when I'm on my own, like just perusing Instagram, but both your Instagram stories made me lol in real life. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So on Thursday night, I uh, saw my friend and I, every Thursday, we try to go to a chain restaurant and see how bad it is. So on <laughs> Thursday night, we went to a, uh, like, I don't know, like a, like it's, it's a Greek place, I guess, but it's also like a surf and turf kind of, there's steak and there's shrimp available to you. Some rubbery shrimp. You can bring your own wine. Yeah. That's one of the draws. Yeah. Is that you can bring your own wine. My friend was pissed because he forgot that. And then there's no booze anywhere. So he was a little bit angry about that. And then uh, Friday night I had my Christmas work party, which was actually at a literal dance club. Oh, really? I didn't realize it was actually at a dance club. Which dance club was it at? It was at Time Supper Club on Sejog near Peel. That sounds fake. It's it. I can guarantee you, it's not fake because I was there. Where are you? Where are you going? Was, um, let me look. Oh, it's a clock time. Um, it's six supper. <laughs> just living around. Time supper club. That's where. That's where I'm going. I pulled a usual suspects there with Kaiser Soze. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's what I did. No. So Friday night was all about and it, like you know me. I'm not generally a club man. So <laughs> no, not uh, at all. To end up there was a little bit odd, but it's fine. I stayed until like almost midnight, and then I grabbed our metro and went home so that was uh it was, it was a good evening i was like you kind of took weird, your metro good. and went home you got mad took your ball yeah. and went home. <laughs> exactly uh so yeah if you want to follow me it's brian mtl angelo do you want to drop in your instagram handle it's uh angelo Fiorin. Oh, just like we're highly imaginative people yes here. it's always the same uh, and you can actually access those from our host page on our uh, website doubledensity.net so speaking of work so the, today's monday and uh I work in a very interesting environment. So uh, there are a lot of people in my department, and one of them is uh, a person in her early 20s who has a flip phone by choice. And is she the time traveler that you see in that picture that they purport uh, somebody who's tra- traveling time with a cell phone? Is that her? <laughs> yeah, almost. So I came into work, I was putting my headphones on, getting through some emails, and I look over, and the way that the office is arranged is that we don't have electrical plugs to ourselves. They're mostly like kind of in the center of places. So she had to plug her flip phone in, and I wasn't eavesdropping, but the conversation was so loud that I could overhear it. So it turns out that her phone had died, and her boyfriend was calling her because he, I guess he either has no data or also has a flip phone. But our metro system went down this morning, and he was trying to figure out how to get to work. So this woman was running from her computer to the phone every two minutes trying to figure out how he can get to work most efficiently which was kind of interesting given that it's 2017 does a computer have a crt monitor uh, no thankfully she's got two and they uh they're fully functional lcds it's very strange that somebody especially if you would have said she's 63 okay but a 23 year old with a flip phone does she not instagram does she not twitter well she has uh she has an ipod touch that she uses an ipod touch still that's like in it's still 10 years ago you need Wi-Fi for that, right? So it, it was just a very interesting incident, and, and it relates to tech, so I thought I'd share that with you. And it was just, it was kind of incredulous, but kind of not, because people deal with things in different ways. So hey, uh, more power to her, I guess, but at the same time, uh, uh, not it. See, I, I'm just picturing you going up to her and saying, hey there, and you point to your iPhone, and you nod your head, and then you point to her flip phone, and you shake your head. Oh, uh, multiple coworkers have done that in the time that I've been there. So it's not uh, a huge stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it was a little weird. I'm not going to lie to you. She, she understands that she's in the minority at this point with her flip phone. Uh, oh, she fully agrees and understands that. That's not, that's not the problem here. <laughs> well, then, it's, it is a little odd. 
Speaking of weird things, uh, tech support, et cetera, et cetera, apparently you are rubbing off on your wife, and I don't mean that literally, I mean that figuratively, so uh, care to illuminate us a bit on this one? In the past few weeks, she's called me a few times from work to kind of tell me that she's been helping her friends with some weird iOS bugs that they've been encountering. The one that's been coming up a lot, actually, is where people send you a text message from one device, and then... Uh, another iMessage from their iPad or, or whatever, and you end up with two streams in your iMessages? Has you, have you ever seen that happen to you? I have with a couple of people. I don't tend to use iMessage across the platforms, but when I do, I tend to have a lot of uh, syncing problems, yeah. So this ends up happening when you have an iPad, but you haven't put the correct send address. So if you have an iPhone and an iPad, ideally they should both be sending from your phone number. And in her friend's case, it was sending from her another email address because she's her friend was using her husband's Apple ID, and that Apple ID was associated with like nine devices or something. So it was causing a huge problem. And and that's where these problems arise is when you start using one Apple ID for a whole bunch of different products. And she helped her friend through that. And then her friend was also having this weird thing where the she we we ended up fixing the whole sync thing, so that started working again. But now all our text messages kept wanting her to add a subject line, which seemed really odd. But guess what? My wife totally figured that out, fixed it for her. And now she's like the tech support at her school. So both you and your wife are just kind of the all-around tech support people. We are. And she also often defends uh, the use of iPads versus the garbage regular tablets that the school board wanted to buy. What happens is that these um, all these companies bid to allow school boards to buy whatever technical tech devices they want to buy, they usually end up going with the lowest bid. So obviously, Apple, they don't care. They're like, this is our price. You're going to pay it if you want it. We got the best stuff, so you're probably going to pay it. But no, um, sometimes they're a little cheaper, so they decide, we'll go with Samsung. That totally undercuts Apple. But none of the teachers like these Samsung tablets, and like my wife will defend the iPads to like anybody that tries to like say otherwise secrets of uh, teachers here on double density yeah and the thing is it's not even the school's money at that point it's basically allowing the teachers to use their own money that they've earned through whatever at the school so for example my wife had several hundred dollars that she had earned because she had had a student teacher in her classroom so it's not technically the school's money it's her money but she has to order whatever she orders through the school and she waited months to use it so that she could order an actual ipad there we go. Uh, you've given us a look into what it's like to be uh, a member of the bureaucracy here in Quebec. So thank you for that, Angelo. <laughs> yes, it's, um, yeah, we have we have healthcare and stuff, but it's it's yeah. uh, it's it gets really complicated really quick. And then on another note, uh, your wife's not the only one being tech support. This week, you were summoned by a work colleague for some tech support help. On our floor, we have one sad little Mac that they keep for testing purposes that I've asked multiple times if I could just take it to my desk, but the answer is always no. And um, this week, they were having problems logging in. And it's this weird error that'll pop up. I've seen it pop up on my Mac, and I know why it pops up. What happens is if you change your password, your administrator password, and then you try to access something that didn't have that password, you have to first put in your old password. And it's a, it's a bug. It's not something that's supposed to happen, but it'll pop up from time to time. It's relatively rare, but I knew of it. 
So they were having that problem. They were wondering, why is this happening with our, our Mac? Like, we just want to log into Safari. We keep getting this weird error. So I told them, I went to see them. And lo and behold, he logged in with, the, with his actual old password, and it all worked. Um, but So were you literally summoned? Was there a gong involved? No, but it was um, a message through Skype for Business. I just got a pop-up on my screen saying, hey, we need you to come here. And at first I thought they were joking, uh, but they weren't. So I went to help the team that does tech support for our information system and gave them tech support because none of them are Mac people. There we go. You're just you're saving the world one Mac at a time, really. I'm well known in my on my office floor as being the guy who knows stuff about Apple. It's it's not a secret. The biggest Apple nerd. That is true. Uh, speaking of tech support, though, the holiday season is soon upon us. And uh, as you know, families during that time tend to buy each other new pieces of tech. So something you and I have talked about in the past is uh, how we are the de facto uh, tech person's uh, Christmas night for fixing things for the family. Uh, how do you plan on dealing with it this year? Are you getting anyone anything new? Are you going to ruin anything by mentioning it on this podcast? I'm certain my mother-in-law does not listen to this podcast. So mentioning that we've already bought her an iPad uh, would not ruin anything. Um, so we bought her an iPad just last week or the week before. Got a good deal on it because it was Black Friday. We celebrate Black Friday here in Canada as well. Got 70 bucks off. Commercial sheep. Yeah. Well, I got I got a $70 gift certificate from Apple. So I figured, well, I'll take the $70 gift certificate. I'm pretty sure I'm going to spend 70 bucks at Apple sometime in the next like year or two. And I'll definitely be setting that up for her to help her out. And that's the thing now from like, it's been a few years where I discontinued support for Windows. There are a few people grandfathered <laughs> in, but I, I no longer support Windows or never really supported Android because um, that's totally over my head. I've, like you hand me an Android phone, I have no idea what's going on. So what you're saying is the, uh, they haven't paid the price for the Angelo warranty. Well, now they have, right? Because they're getting an iPad. So that's totally fine. I, I've been helping her also with her Windows PC. It's a Windows 10 laptop. It was updated a few years ago. Uh, but it's it's getting old, and uh, I think the iPad will just suit her needs more. I've said this many times. Most people don't need a, like, quote-unquote, real computer. Angelo, what, what is a computer? We've discussed this before, Brian. You know what the I answer know, is. I know. That's why I'm bringing it up. You know what the answer is. A computer is an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> a computer can be anything that you want, pretty much. Exactly. So now the iPad is powerful enough for her to be able to do her emails. We have, between my wife and I, we have like 15 licenses for... Uh, for Word, for Microsoft Word because we work at a school and I think she has like five licenses. I have five licenses. My daughter has like five licenses because she gets one as a student and you're encouraged to put them on whatever device you want. So we'll be putting it on her device. Or is that illegal? Am I going to get a, a file? Like uh, I was going to say fired. Am I going to get arrested for this? Legal Eagles, if you'd like to weigh in, you can hit us up at uh, double underscore density on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Double Density Podcast, Double Density Podcast on Instagram, and our website, DoubleDensity.net. If you feel like telling Angelo that he is in the wrong, I invite you to do so. Uh, speaking of loyal listeners, this week, or rather last week, we had a bit of a shock for some of our older loyal listeners. Uh, we had a bit of a bug uh, when we dropped our episode Wednesday morning where the episode wasn't actually appearing in some of the app feeds, which was a bit of an issue. I noticed it in the morning, usually... By the time I'm ready for work, there's an episode of Double Density in my Overcast feed, and it wasn't there yet. 
you know, it can take anywhere from anywhere from like a minute to like 20 minutes to populate if you're subscribed. And it wasn't there. That's strange. So let me refresh the feed. And then I noticed that when I refreshed the feed and checked for all episodes, we were back at episode like 20 or something or October 1st. It was our uh, bonus episode essentially in announcing that we were moving to Wednesdays. So it was just like a minute thing. So at first, Brian and I were wondering, oh, is there something wrong with Fireside and the bonus episodes? But when I unsubscribed and then resubscribed, it all came back. It was back at episode 31. So that seemed fine, wondering why that happened. And throughout the day, I was wondering, and then I went to check our friends at SoundCloud. And guess what was the last episode we posted there on that feed? The bonus episode. Exactly. So the SoundCloud redirect that we're entitled to as part of being a SoundCloud member stopped working. And uh, good luck reaching SoundCloud uh, customer support. It hardly exists. You kind of have to like tweet at them. And then when you do, it takes four plus days for them to get back to you. In the meantime, so they got back to us eventually, but in the, and they haven't fixed it from what I understand. It doesn't really matter at this point. We went and checked everywhere to make sure everybody had our doubledensity.net slash RSS feed, which is the real feed. Luckily, that's the one in iTunes, so that's the one most things use. The problem was our listeners that have been with us, I guess, since the beginning, all had the old RSS feed that was just redirecting. So they didn't notice because it was redirecting, and it's... Do you hear that? Yes, I do. The cat's complaining. The cat's really pissed about this whole SoundCloud issue. She was very upset, visibly. We noticed the the feed was wrong, and it was only our old our old customers, our old our, our oldest listeners. For example, uh, first thing I did is I sent a DM to Alexandre from RGBA, and he's like, "Yeah, I haven't updated it. Do you think maybe it's something with Fireside because they use Fireside as well?" He wasn't sure. He waited uh, a few hours to see if the, the it was a caching issue. It wasn't, and then once I figured it out, I told him just resubscribe. And he had the great idea of saying, well, you guys should just record a quick message so that anybody on your old feed hears that message and resubscribed. And we did. So if you want to listen to the stupid message we recorded, it's on the SoundCloud webpage that we have. If you want to go look for that, we don't even need to post it, but it's around if you want to find it. It's a silly little message I recorded. I tried recording it in my car, actually, as I waited for my daughter's ballet class to end. But um, AirPods... There's just too much heavy breathing. Yeah, no. AirPods sound great. They do a good job. Microphone-wise, not great for recording podcast-worthy messages. A big revelation for you this week. And the funny thing is, last week you were mad at audio files, and this week you were mad at SoundCloud. So I've never seen you up until this point be so angry about something. And I thought I had seen you angry about audio files. It was upsetting. The thing that really got me, though, was the really good tech support we got from Stitcher and Podbean, two services which we do not pay to be part of but had the old RSS feed. And they were super quick and receptive to getting that feed changed to the right one, and they took care of everything right away. Unlike SoundCloud, who tweeted at us today on Monday, five days after we had our problem. So hey, uh, so be it. Last week, we did uh, have some issues with audio files. This time, we had issues with another kind of audio provider. Uh, So I don't know what you're going to be mad at next week. I'm kind of interested to see where this goes for you. As long as it's not you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, if it, even if it is, it makes for a much interesting podcast. Angry cast. All right, let's hop the fence and go over into the paranormal, Angel. I'm angry. Hey, 
Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. And this week, we'd like to take a minute to thank some of our new friends. So Angelo, hit us with it. That's the thing I found a lot of fun with uh, creating this podcast is there's a, a pretty big community out there of podcast creators, and we've made some new friends. I've been talking to Adam from the Graveyard Tales podcast, and um, we said, hey, let's, uh, we were thinking of talking about your show on our show. And I said, well, I was actually going to talk about your show on, on our show, and which is what I'm doing now. And one really cool thing I found out about Adam, I, the thing I, I said, oh, I, uh, I like his accent. They're from, from, um, they live in Tennessee, and they actually record in person, which is kind of fun. Uh, unlike Brian and I, who can't stand each other's faces, and we try to stay as far apart as possible from each other. It's a 50, yeah, it's a 50-foot distance, at least at all times. Yeah. And um, I found out Adam works at the Gibson Custom Shop, which you toured last year. Well, not last year. It was a couple of years ago, actually. Years ago, okay. But yes, I, I, to, I had the chance of touring and going to Memphis and touring there. It was, it was kind of a really interesting experience, because you don't get to see a guitar factory all too often, so it was a, it was a fun little afternoon there. And um, yeah, so I was talking about that, but um, let's, speaking of talking about something, let uh, Adam and Matt tell you about Graveyard Tales. Good evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. My name is Adam. And I'm Matt. And we are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like stories of ghosts, hauntings, the paranormal, preternatural, and the downright weird, and you enjoy a few laughs as well, then you should probably check us out. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Come join our Facebook group at Graveyard Tales Podcast or on Twitter at G-R-V-E-Y. Just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. We look forward to seeing you in the graveyard. See you soon. All right, folks, put on your adventure hats and let's get old school, or should I say Old Testament biblical this week, Angelo? What are we talking about? Are you going to cue the fake Indiana Jones royalty-free music right now? Right. The adventure music that kind of uh, suggests adventure? Sure. Why don't we put drop some in the background as we talk about this week's topic, which is... The Ark of the Covenant. Uh, so this is a favorite topic of yours, or not necessarily a favorite, but an old-timey topic that you've had in the back of your head for a long time that you wanted to talk about, really. One of my favorite movies is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, I watched it when I was way too young. Uh, it came out in 1983, I believe. And so I was like six years old when it came out, but I ended up watching it when it came out on one of those newfangled VHS machines back then. And um, yeah, it kind of left an effect on me. I had no idea what this arc was. It's not like I was a biblical scholar or anything at six years old. Uh, I mean, grew up in a Catholic household, but we didn't really talk about the cool stuff in the Bible. It was all just the boring stuff. I'm glad that you admit that you're a fallible person and at six years old that you didn't have a master's in archaeology or the like. So good for you. Uh, yeah. Good for you for saying that you're fallible. So it, it was such an interesting thing that there is this mystical relic out there that could cause like entire armies to melt. Uh, spoiler alert, the Germans, uh, the Nazis, their faces melt off in that movie. Um, if you haven't seen the 35-year-old movie which I highly recommend if you haven't seen it. Spoilers and all, go watch it. It's amazing. I, I, I find it hard to imagine that anybody listening to the show has not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you are one of those people, please let us know. We'd be happy to talk to you. 
you can be forgiven though if you did not see uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, even though that should be an alien cinema for us. I think given the oh. last uh, six or seven minutes of the uh, the movie, that's a great idea. Actually, just talk about that last scene, uh, which was pretty terrible. I was so disappointed. Well, all all of that. it was pretty terrible. Let's just let's just get that out of the way. Look, Shia LaBeouf is infallible. He was perfect. He was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was really an unfortunate movie. Uh, although. Again, if you haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'd like to know who you are out there. Please get back to us, let us know, and then watch it and tell us how great it was. Because I, I, have, it, I have no idea how somebody could not like Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, Angela, what you're saying is that if people reach out to you, you're willing to give them bootleg VHS copies. I'll mail it to you. <laughs> You'll mail a bootleg VHS copy. I can respect that. So why don't you tell us a bit about the Ark itself? Well, uh, if I could just go back into tech for a second, I actually took advantage of the fact that I work at a university. I have access to uh, thousands and thousands of scholarly articles. So I actually use that because this is something that you can easily find um, re- references to in in actual university libraries. So it's pretty great. I went and did some scholarly research. Um, I didn't actually go to the library. I just, uh, on my lunch hour... Because I'm on the servers there, I can just go in, download files, and be able to read them on my iPad later and highlight the good parts. The Ark of the Covenant is a religious relic at this point. It's something that was created, and it was housed in the first temple of Solomon, where it was an important part of traditions and religious ceremonies there. Now, I'm not going to get too much into what it was used for initially, but uh, it was basically, it held the Ten Commandments, the literally, like, the Ten Commandments. The that, stone tablets. The stone tablets that Moses, did he make the commandments, or like, they were just handed to him, or they like, did he chisel them out? Do you remember that? You're asking the wrong person here. Anyway, the stone tablets that the Ten Commandments were on, they were in this, um, this, stone, this ark. It was made out of wood, and it was gilded entirely in gold, and there was a, a crown molding of gold all around it. And I love the measurements of it because it's really biblical sounding when you read them. They're two and a half, two and a half cubits in length and one and a half in breadth and one and a half in height. So uh, it's not a, a huge thing, but because there was gold and stuff on it and, and, and giant stone tablets in it, it ended up being heavy. So they, had, they also carried it with these two long poles because they were not actually allowed to touch it lest they melt. Uh, which is a big problem uh, when it comes to any sort of a, a magical, I guess. Are we calling this like a magical artifact? Are we calling this a biblical artifact? Like, what are we classifying this as? So that's the thing. One of my questions, I, I, want, like, I want to look at this from a questioning point of view. And, and the first thing is, is it real? So the thing is, uh, right now, there are no uh, artifacts or weapons that sort of uh, exist in the same way that this does in terms of uh, potential uh, uses, I guess, would be the best word of uh, of putting it. Because, yeah, there's nothing that would have the magical properties of it. Now, in, so when when we're looking at if it's real, we have to look at it in two ways. Was there this gold box that they carried these Ten Commandments in? That's highly plausible. Of course, there probably was something because those were highly religious uh, artifacts that they had to keep and they they kept for many years. But where it becomes the real question is, is it it real? Is it really something magical? Would opening this thing 
lay waste to armies because apparently it was something that was carried around with the Israelites when they they went into on their military campaigns. They actually carried the ark with them, from what I've from what I've read, and that makes it sound like that it was some sort of weapon. Or it could be that they were very religious and just wanted to carry around their most religious artifact. Uh, kind of like a religious boombox. Yes, a religious boombox. They would dance around it. I wonder if we're going to get like hate mail from like highly religious groups that listen to our podcast, although I highly doubt there are any. But I think, yes, it was definitely a real artifact. It's something that existed for sure. I don't think it was magical in any way. Um, there's just magical properties purported to it. Like, uh, for example, if you've ever gone to church and taken Holy Communion, apparently you're actually eating the body of Christ. Did you know, like, I, I went through communion and all that, all that stuff, and I only found out, like, a few years ago because of my studies in art history and all the religious stuff you do with that, that uh, you're supposed to believe that it's actually the body of Christ. Did, did I ever tell you this? No, but I mean, at the same time, the blood or grape juice is supposed to be the wine of Christ too, right? When you take communion, so... It's supposed to be his blood, uh, not just wine. The blood. Well, but that's what I'm saying is that it's supposed to be the blood of Christ. It's the whole transubstantiation thing. I tried to pronounce that right. Uh, and So let's just... Can I just throw this out there kind of like very uh, disembodied? Like, <laughs> the idea that blood would taste so sweet is kind of weird to me. Blood tastes like metal. Yeah, it's, it's copper. It's Yeah, exactly. It doesn't taste like grape juice? No, it does not at all. So yes, uh... That's the thing with the the Ark, is that there's all these magical properties put on it. Uh, was it a weapon? That's my other question, and that's the whole thing with the Israelites carrying it with them, and that's the main plot point of Raiders of the Lost Ark, is that the Nazis want it to be their most powerful weapon. It sort of backfires on them at the end, literally backfires, actually, <laughs> <laughs> in his face. That's uh, That was one thing when we got a VCR, uh, one of the first movies we rented, of course, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And uh, my favorite thing was to pause it as you see his face explode. Super cool. Or an was it explode or melt? So the first guy's face starts melting and then it literally explodes. It's Belloc whose okay. face explodes. He's not really right. a Nazi. Uh, I've seen that movie so many times and I cannot imagine showing my daughter that. At her age. But I watched it when I was younger than her. You should watch it and tell her it's a documentary. God have nightmares uh yeah so there we go so now in my research i came across this book uh, by uh, someone named Stuart monroe and he's spent a lot of time researching one of the purported places of where the ark is and that's ethiopia there's a lot of ark lore tied with ethiopia with one of the theories being that the ethiopians took the Ark with them back, as mentioned in their 14th century text called the Kebra Nagast. It essentially, a book that spends like 40 chapters describing uh, a wealthy African woman, um, possibly the Queen, the queen of Sheba, uh, who visited King Solomon, and they had like a one-night stand. She gave birth to a son who went back and brought the Ark back with him to Abyssinia, including the, the Ark and the tablets. And the rumors are that one of the places is this tiny little chapel in Ethiopia. They keep the Ark. They've never shown it to anyone, but they say they have it. The thing is, is this book basically boils it down to the fact that this could never have happened. All these claims are really dubious, and they all came from like different times. 
there is also a priest who wrote a detailed summary of this book in 1520. And in that detailed summary, not one mention of the Ark. So all this stuff has been like, it's like this weird game of telephone that's happened over the ages. And these people think they have this Ark, they actually believe it is, and it never was. Right, so it's the idea that uh, someone out there may have it, but they may not have it, but we might have it, but we may not have it, but it was written that we did, so we may have it. That's exactly it. And uh, I found a, a list of places that the Ark might be. I'll add that to the show notes. Some of them are pretty interesting. Uh, one of it is a callback to an earlier episode, and it's possibly they think that the Ark was in the tomb of King Tut, which would make no sense, but uh, I guess there's a picture of the early excavation of the tomb, and you see like there's this weird shrine that sort of looks like the Ark, but apparently it's too small. I think at the end of the episode of the pyramid, we had talked about what other artifacts can we find in there so we can add in the Ark of the Covenant as something that could be hidden within the confines of uh, one of the great pyramids. Oh, and that uh, that void that they talk about in the pyramid. That could right. be it. There we go. So it's it could be it right there. I think we've solved it. Do you want to unplug uh, your podcast materials and call it a victory here, Nancy Drew? Well, no, I, I, I don't think it's solved until we start our Kickstarter campaign to send us to Egypt to excavate in the pyramids and then find the ark and then bring it back and what do you think is a good amount is like sixty thousand like a good start is a hundred thousand a good start are we starting a kickstarter or indiegogo like oh no 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 listen it's got to be two or three million dollars but if you kick in like twenty thousand dollars you get like a bag of the uh sand that you find inside the ark and if like a burlap sack yeah and then if you kick if you give us like 50 grand you get like one of the poles, hundred grand. You get one of the angels from the top. So like we're dismantling this thing, slowly, slowly but surely. But for science, for science, yes. Hopefully, right. <laughs> our faces do not melt. Uh, that's the thing that we do not want to happen. That would be very bad. So the funny thing is, is when you start considering like, is the Ark of the Covenant like historically existing? At the same time, you have to wonder what else from the Christian Bible or the Torah does exist too, right? Like, what other mythical artifacts are there out there that still exist? Well, there's the Holy Grail and stuff, of course. That's also another Indiana Jones movie. I mean, there's also the other famous biblical Ark, which is Noah's Ark, right? Oh yeah, that's supposedly on Mount Ararat. Right. Uh, there was this big kerfuffle in the 90s because someone had, uh, maybe, you know what, let's keep this for another episode because I kind of I kind of want to talk about Noah's Ark uh, in a very interesting kind of way. So let's keep that for that. But we'll yeah, that. suffice just to say that, uh, you know, the Ark, both Arks are um, artifacts that existed in texts that people purport to be real, which I find very interesting. Well, that's the thing. With the with the Ark, we, most people are kind of, the, the let's clarify the Ark of the Covenant. Most people are pretty, the, the biblical scholars anyway, are pretty certain it did exist. The mystery rely, like, is around what happened to it, because most of the information comes from the Old Testament. Um, basically, it was in the first Temple of Solomon, but when they dedicated the second Temple of Solomon, it's not mentioned at all in the dedication. So this leads people to think that it was somehow lost one way or another. So... The other thing is it's like this huge plot hole in the, in the Bible because they talk about the ark talk about the ark and then nowhere do they mention where it went who took it why it just it's just gone from the rest of the book and a lot of people think that the disappearance is connected to the sacking of the temple because this temple was yeah, sacked by all kinds of people and the last mention of it is um is that in second chronicles which is also a 
uh, Old Testament book, but I think somebody, if I'm wrong, someone will definitely correct me. Um, one of the things I really liked is that there was a mention of the Ark being moved during renovations, and then it was lost. So I'd say they hired some really bad contractors. <laughs> uh, I like the idea that uh, uh, people who, are, like, it's in a living room somewhere, like someone's using it as a footrest or something right now, Yeah, the, like centuries later. Some, yeah, the same contractors, like, the, oh, you know what, let's not return that, we'll take it home. I'm just, like, picturing a biblical version of Mike Holmes chastising these guys on, like, the biblical version of whatever Renner show he's having at the time. So just saying how bad these guys are for losing this extremely rare and important religious relic. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I definitely would love to watch that TV show. And I think that it brings up a really interesting point in terms of uh, it kind of can, it seems to theoretically exist around the globe, really. Like there's uh, some South African stuff. There's some Ethiopian stuff. There's some... Uh, israel stuff like it, it, it's this weird thing where it can kind of exist in any of these places really yeah they they also think it might be in a hidden room in uh in Chartres in france uh, this, it's all over the place who knows where this thing is if it the chances are extremely high look it was made of wood and it was isn't like a lot of people uh, think it's made of gold it's not right there's gold crown molding but it's just gilded in gold it's like gold leaf basically so if it was made of wood and it was in Ethiopia for 3,000 years, it would have disintegrated with the humidity. So there's also like 64 locations uh, that they talk about in the Dead Sea Scrolls where uh, gold and treasure were, were hidden all over the world. And there's another one where they talk about it being in some sort of unmarked cave in Jordan, which good luck with that. You're never going to find this thing. So caves are a diamond dozen in Jordan. Yeah. So, that, you know, if we start now, maybe in 30 years, we'll get like through 15, 20% of the caves. If that my favorite is still uh, on that list. I'll, I'll post on the web, on the notes, uh, that it's in some government storage facility. And that's my favorite. Like the one you see at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you see the guy just bringing it and putting it among the boxes of all kinds of other stuff. But to be honest with you, it's just as plausible as any other of these uh, locations, really. Like the idea that a government unit had ended up finding this and uh, storing it away is just as plausible as it being anywhere inside of a, you know, a castle in France or uh, King Tut's tomb. Well, especially if we're all wrong and magic does exist and it's like a horrible like nuclear bomb type weapon. Well, just imagine this, right? So the idea of uh, the Ark of the Covenant being used uh, as a tool for the greatest LARPer alive. <laughs> <laughs> where do you come up with these things i just i just i, I just picture some stoned out dude uh, coming up on his sunday session with his foam sword and this beautiful wooden box that he's neglected to open until that point and suddenly he has opened it and all of his larpers have uh disappeared mass devastation at a larping event uh, but uh, rewinding things back a second, that's very interesting what you were saying about magic, right? The idea of practical magic, of biblical magic that exists in this world. Because there's a lot of different types of magic from uh, voodoo and hoodoo to a straight up uh, sleight of hand, which is not necessarily quote unquote magic, but very uh, understood to be. When we say magic, we think that sort of thing, like illusions. Well, and technology could look like magic too, which is that old Arthur C. Clarke quote that anything uh, that's technological enough is not distinguishable from magic. Uh, and sleight of hand to me is, is probably the magic that people talk about when they talk about biblical magic that people back then didn't really understand. Uh, there's that funny family guy uh, 
vignetteware, whatever you call them, where they they're talking about how uh, they go back in time and they see Jesus and he's just doing like sleight of hand tricks. Yeah, yeah, with the with the fish and the bread. I think. Yeah, something like that, or like his little yeah. his fingers or something. Anyway, it's really silly, but who knows uh, what kind of magic they actually meant or if. Look, this is all stuff that was written hundreds of years later. It's not like there was a scribe there taking notes. All this stuff was passed down word of mouth, and it's all kind of like conflated at a certain point. Who knows? Did you ever... There's um, there's a YouTube video of like two or three hundred years in the future, and it's talking about the Beatles, and it's how it's like uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, and George Harrison, and Scottie Pippen were the Beatles. <laughs> I haven't seen that, so I'd like it if you linked me and our listeners to that in the show notes. That sounds like a great video to watch. Yeah, I'll have to see where I can find that. That must be somewhere. Yeah, it's, uh, put, uh, I'll put that in the show notes for, for me to remember to look for it. But uh, I may have gotten it wrong a little, but I know Scottie Pippen is mentioned there somewhere, But I, and I'm pretty sure they talk about the Beatles. And I mean, so the funny thing about this, when you start looking at these sites and the way that they try to interlink different um, archaeological finds and then other different phenomena, right? So the idea of like King Tut's tomb and everything in there that sort of uh, is uh, hyper real in the sense that people try to uh, push meaning onto its existence and its creation uh, beyond what is there. And then like the idea that the time that to the Ark of the Covenant, and then maybe, oh, it may be in a castle in France, and hey, you know, a lot of, like, Knights Templar come from that area, you know, and so, like, it's this, like, weird interlinking of all these different um, religious narratives, and also uh, conspiratorial narratives, I think, is a good way of putting it, too, so there's this, like, weird kind of web existing onto itself. Yeah, the Knights Templar always factor into this uh, somehow. Um, Again, in Indiana Jones, they're the ones who hold the uh, Holy Grail, but uh, and and the Knights Templar play a play a part in uh, Assassin's Creed as well. They're like the bad guys, I think, in that in that show, in that game, and they're part of the the people that sacked the the Temple of Solomon, and then there was retribution for them on Friday the Thirteenth. All kinds of weird stuff with all these groups that were vying to gain power back then and stealing objects from each other. Um, there's a whole list of people that possibly sacked the Temple of Solomon and took the Ark, or they may have hidden it somewhere, and then, like, the guy who hid it kind of, like, walked away from it all and forgot, and now everybody's scrambling to find this thing thousands of years later. A lot, I don't know if everyone's scrambling. I don't know if it's top of mind for the entire world. It's, isn't that what you guys are working on at work? <laughs> Listen, I don't talk about work as much as you do for a reason, okay? And uh, before I forget, Angelo, are you, like a part of a secret society? Because I feel like I should have asked you this before we got together and started podcasting, but I feel like now is a really relevant time to ask you if you are a member of any of these, uh, if you have any known or unknown affiliations you'd like to air out right here, I think now is the time. Would I tell you if I did? I would hope you would. I do not. No comment. I'm not sure. Next time I think what I might do when I see is I'll try to shake your hand in a very specific way uh, to see if you shake your hand back in a very specific way, and we'll see where that goes. Well, actually, uh, my wife's uncle is a stonemason, so so you know the handshake then. No, I do not. But uh, apparently, yeah, my my mother in law was talking about how uh, her sister's husband has like they invite them to this weird mason's party, and there's like weird stuff that happens there. So uh, I don't ever want to go there. Or would you not want to go undercover for us as a double density scoop? Oh, double density, double agent. 
There we go. <laughs> Angelo does the Masons, et cetera, et cetera. That actually could be kind of smart. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll look into that. I can't wait to see you and uh, what you look like in a hooded black robe. It'll be perfect. That's the thing with these weird secret societies. Like they, They're not so secret anymore, but they're still weird. Yeah, it's like their customs haven't changed. I guess just the idea of how seriously they are to be taken has kind of uh, evolved over time. And as well as like, it's a great place to network in theory if you're looking to advance the world, right? Like that's the idea behind a lot of these. And I, I, I did read a book called Solomon's Key. I think it was talking about the Ark. It was talking about Solomon's Temple. And uh, I think it was called Hiram's Key or something like that. Anyway, he's the basis for the, apparently, if this is the book is true, for the stonemasons and their secret society. So I don't know if I'm going to join one. Brian, can we, can we just join one? Is that how it works? <laughs> no, I think there has to be a whole uh, initiation process, right? Unlike a street gang where you just, you get jumped in. There's a whole lot of paperwork to be done as a first step. I remember one of our early episodes, we were talking about uh, Mac versus PC street gangs or something like that. I'm still down to watch that squad go. And uh, I just like the idea of you with chains in your hand, yelling at some dude holding a service tablet on the street. Ugh, service tablet. I see people on the train actually with a uh, service tablet. It's actually not that ugly. It's, it's not bad. Uh, and the keyboard looks pretty nice, actually. Although there's another guy I see on the train who has one of the newer ones with that weird Alcatara keyboard. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like... Uh, I, haven't, I haven't in person, only on video. But it's... I still don't get um like light fibers around where your like greasy hands go it's kind of a recipe for disaster the way i'm reading the sentence you just said is that you are uh, stupefied by magic that is actually technology oh look at that so there we go it's come full circle i brought full circle so that is it for episode 33 of the double density podcast you can find us over at twitter double underscore density facebook.com slash double density podcast same thing on instagram and you can hit us up at double density.net click on the contact link and uh send us a line you know if you're an angry uh, religious type who feels that you've been uh slighted and want to come on and rebut what you want if you are a member of a secret society and you wish to tell us more about the society or how to get into it or if you're just you know a garden variety random who wants to let us know how we're doing uh feel free to do that or you can always email us at double a uh, double density uh podcast at gmail.com i almost just said double density.net again instead of our actual email address oh yeah well it is double density.net you can go to the contact thing there but yes it is double density podcast at gmail.com there we go tune in next week as angelo and i talk about the other arc noah's arc 3d the best video game of all time oh, i can't wait See you around, Angelo. Bye, Brian. See you live on the Ark. What were they talking about? Oh, look at that. Right in the mouth. Oh, look at that. Obviously not, because it's in my ears. Right in the mouth.